Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Keynes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. And George Contos will be joining us again next week, as we'll have him on every other week, really enjoying those conversations. And thanks a lot for listening today. We are going to have a local and a national angle on the San Francisco Giants. Steve Berman, who is with The Athletic and the Bay Area Sports Guy, is going to join us first to talk about the Giants and his sports media column. And then we're going to hear from Bob Nightingale from USA Today as uh, he'll tell us his viewpoint on the Giants and uh, why he votes for Barry Bonds every year for the Hall of Fame. Leading off, it's Steve Berman, the Bay Area sports guy from The Athletic. Well, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, how about what's going on in the Bay Area right now? you got the Giants in first place, the A's in first place, the Warriors are going to the playoffs. Uh, this is pretty good. Thanks a lot for joining me to, to talk Giants, one of the first place teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, pretty busy right now. Uh, a year ago at this time, not much going on right now. Pretty much everything is going on seemingly every night. It's actually tough sometimes to manage my DVR and be able to catch as much as I can of, of every team. And then the whole big story over the previous month was the whole 49ers, who they're going to pick at number three thing. So, yeah, it's no shortage of things to talk about for sure. Now, you've been writing for The Athletic, and you have the website Bay Area Sports Guy. Uh, tell us about getting that name and how that all got started. Well, it's uh, it was actually something that my uh, girlfriend at the time set up for me. She got like a, you know, simple kind of WordPress uh, website back in the day, back in '07, and uh, she picked the URL the Sports Guy, which I totally understood, and it's a, you know, it sounds great, you know, it's probably good for SEO, whatever, but. Uh, it was also the name of Bill Simmons back in the day. So, and I, I said, you know, I can't really just like jump into this and, you know, take over a guy's name who's the, you know, the, pretty much the number one kind of blog style writer right now. So, since all these URLs are already purchased, we went with Bay Area Sports Guy, and that's kind of how it stuck. Yeah, it all, it all worked out pretty well. Uh, and you write a media column. Now as well, how did you get into that? How much do you enjoy that? I would think sometimes it's a challenge because, um, you know, you're going to have to criticize some people and then you may run into them in the press box or something, right? This is true. This is very <laughs> true. Uh, it's something that I've uh, dealt with on uh, some occasions. For the most part, most people are, are actually, when I run into people in the press box, no one really cares at all about the stuff I write about sports. They all go, oh, man, I love your media column because media likes to read about themselves. So the, <laughs> I really noticed, it too, though, that fans had an interest in it that I don't think was really touched on that much when I started it. There's been people who have done media columns. Actually, Tim Kawakami, who brought me on The Athletic, used to write a media column at the Merck before he became a general columnist. And that just kind of went away a little bit. Uh, and this kind of sort of happenstance, I... 
I would write little things about KNBR. This is before 95.7. It was even a station that talked about sports yet. And over time, I would start having people just kind of give me little bits of information, you know, about who's, uh, you know, who they like, who they don't like, who's, who, who might be getting fired, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then went in. So I, I, I started writing, you know, semi-regularly about stuff I would hear or, or just stuff I observed. And the comment section would explode much more so than pretty much anything I'd write sports wise. And so I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting, but I didn't really force it or anything. And then when uh, Ralph Barbieri, when he got let go by KMBR and they walked him out, I heard about that the day that it happened, broke the story and it broke my website, literally like the site went down for about uh, two hours because of the traffic, the server couldn't handle it. So I, I knew from that point that it was at least something that's worth touching on. I've always paid attention to it. And then that was something that when Tim became editor in chief of the Bay area site, he brought me on as a freelancer in 2017 just to write a weekly media column. And then a couple of years later, I got brought on full time, still doing the media column and then some sports mixed in. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember reading Rudy Martsky a lot in USA Today. And then when I was living in L.A., I used to read uh, Larry Stewart, who did a media column for the Los Angeles Times. And, it, you know, it was always enjoyable. And I think that it seems like newspapers just got away from it almost completely. I think Steve Croner did a little bit of that with the San Francisco Chronicle. But, uh, you know, it's just not as, uh, I think, uh, you know, intensely covered as people would like. And, and I enjoy reading that, you know, of course, being in the media. But I think everybody kind of wants to know, hey, you know, what are the highest rated programs? And f- as far as the Giants are concerned, I'm curious, like, you know, the coverage uh, what you think of it for one and, and another, as far as the ratings are concerned, television and radio, it seems like KMBR and NBC Sports Bay Area are doing really well with it and they're shaping everything around their Giants coverage. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, in terms of uh, the broadcasters are, are a huge part of the Giants' overall success as a marketing company. And they've really taken that and they, they, and they paid handsomely for that. They they pay their announcers well. They they pay their broadcasters uh, as high as as anyone else in the country for local RSNs and, and radio stations. But you know that's something that all of the broadcasters have said to me at some point is that Larry Baird, who actually got his start broadcasting uh, for UC Berkeley back in the day, mm-hmm. he actually is someone who's who's kind of been the engine on that one and really believes that a consistent and beloved broadcasting crew is something that really is a great conduit to the fans. So that part, I think, has been really successful. Uh, in terms of uh, the NBC Sports Bay Area ratings, I haven't seen any for this year yet because it's so early. But uh, last year, they were they were decent. Um, they, they're definitely down over the last five years compared to, the, you know, the, the years prior when they were uh, winning championships. Uh, KNBR's uh, Giants ratings are pretty decent i think from from what i've heard the baseball on the radio is much stronger than football or basketball on the radio so you know warriors on 95.7 are kind of hit or miss in terms of what ratings that they draw and football you know on sundays and so it's you know the teams want to have a flagship station but most people are watching it on tv baseball really kind of lends itself to the radio a lot of times Games are on during commute times, especially in the Bay Area where traffic is heavy. So it seems like the, it, it's something that KMBR has tried to sort of base their station around for decades now. In uh, and, and baseball, I think it's a localized sport. Uh, nationally, sometimes it, it gets looked at sort of as uh, 
you know, behind the times or the ratings not quite as high as some of the other sports. But actually, uh, this year is doing pretty well. And Sunday Night Baseball is actually up from uh, a couple years ago. But it's really a localized sport, and the Giants definitely rule this market and have for many years now, ever since probably the mid-90s. One thing I can't understand, Steve, and I know that you can only have so much programming you know, dedicated to the Giants, but on a Saturday morning, if you get in your car, you cannot get good sports radio. It's basically gambling shows, and that's it. I, I don't know. I don't understand that. I mean, I guess that's where they're going to make some money. That's totally what it is. The, those are shows that they don't have to – they don't have to pay a host to do, or, you know, I guess a producer might have to be there to press a couple of buttons, but they get paid to run those programs. So especially during football season, I think that the stations make a pretty decent little bit of money on those gambling shows. And then they even stretch into the week too. There's sometimes where, you know, on KBR they'll have like a half hour segment with uh, some gambling guy and it's totally paid for by the gambling company who's trying to tell you that they have, you know, lock on every single <laughs> spread that there is and try to get uh, everyone to, to call in and uh, get charged hundreds of dollars for, you know, their tout advice. So, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those deals where also when they look at ratings, there's a couple of things that uh, people who don't pay much attention to this stuff, and I don't blame you for not paying that much attention to it, uh, <laughs> don't really uh, know is that, one, the demographics that sports radio uh, stations care about they only care about men age 25 to 54 when they go to their advertisers that's who they're trying to market to so it doesn't really i mean even though it sounds silly and there's a lot of women who are sports fans and and there's people obviously who are older than 54 as well but that's sort of the demo that they're going for and then also they're pretty much selling all of that inventory that ad inventory based off of weekdays from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. So the weekends don't really matter too much to them. Mm. So they'll throw on some local content sometimes. But, you know, if they can get a gambling show on there where they get a little extra money that they wouldn't get normally because there's not much ad revenue normally on those days, then that's what they're going to do. It's not great radio, but I can (laughs) understand it from a business standpoint. Yeah, there's my answer. Uh, All right, let's talk about the Giants. Uh, Nobody, absolutely nobody, picked them to win the National League West. And, I mean, it's a pretty big surprise, I think, around the country that the Giants are in first place right now. What's your take on it? Why do you think the Giants have been successful so far? Well, starting pitching, mostly. (laughs) Just, uh, I mean, it just seems like that's the the obvious one. I think we all knew Kevin Gosman was going to be the strongest pitcher on the staff and probably have a pretty darn good year just based on what we saw last year. I still don't know if we knew he'd be quite this good. I mean, he's been pretty awesome. But then, you know, guys like Dee Sclafani and Alex Wood have been fantastic. You know, Logan Webb has been hit or miss, as he always is. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, I'm not sure health-wise if he's a guy that you can really count on to last a full season just based on the velocity and his injury history and the fact that he's on the IL now. And then Cueto, I think he's a guy who – is the big wild card here because he looked amazing before he got hurt and his injury wasn't a real serious one, but then he came back uh, on Sunday and didn't really pitch all that well. He just had no command whatsoever, but you know, he's throwing 94. So maybe that's uh, a good sign that he's going to figure it out in time here. I it, I think the hitting has been okay. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the, they're hitting 228 as a team, but nowadays that's like pretty normal for the way that baseball is. And it seems like they have a good way of kind of getting – this is what we saw last year with 
what really impressed me with them last year was their approach to the plate throughout the season. Also, the fact that their defense got so much better it was awful at the beginning of last season, and then it was actually serviceable by the end. Same with the bullpen. But it seems like they really wear out starting pitchers pretty well uh, with their approach. They had a lot of patient guys. And then also Buster Posey, you know, he's a guy that when he's hitting well, he, he and he really carries that team. He always has. So I mean, the Giants have always sort of gone as Buster Posey has gone. And this year he, he's not qualified for the batting title because he only plays two games out of every three. But he's hitting 385 with eight home runs and uh, looks like the Buster Posey of 2012. So uh, starting pitching definitely is up at the top, but it seems like they also just play good, crisp baseball, too. When they play against the Padres, you know, it doesn't really seem like a situation where they're, they look like they're outclassed. The, the games are played in a way, mostly, that are playoff-caliber games, and the Giants look like they're right there at home there. Yeah, Posey looks like a new man. I mean, it looks like his hip is healthy, and he's he's driving the ball like he hasn't in years. Uh, you know, he's using the whole field like you like to see him do, like he did in you know more of his heyday. Uh, I'd like to see him in the lineup more. I mean, I, I know you want to try to rest him as much as possible, get him through the entire season, but, you know, in the past he would go over to first base every once in a while. He hasn't done that. Do you think Gabe Kapler will consider doing that? He said that they won't, and I, and I kind of understand that. I think – they realized that overworking him is, <clears throat> is kind of the reason why he got into the situation that he did. Part of it was probably wear and tear from those playoff years where you would catch just about every single inning. But I don't think that, for one, he's not a very good first baseman defensively. He never has been. So he always looks kind of awkward over there. He's okay, but you're kind of losing something defensively at first base too. And then if you're if instead of elite offensive Buster Posey two out of every three days, you're getting – Buster Posey that by the end of the season is worn down and, and is only really a singles hitter by the end of the year, I think you're kind of defeating the purpose. So I, I get the temptation just because he's so good, but you have a guy in Casale who has been so good behind the plate in terms of game calling and pitch framing that the starting pitching has been enough to hold up so that they didn't, they don't really need Posey's offense quite as much. It seems like on those days when he's gone. So yeah, I, I know it's, it's tempting, but, but Kapler has been resolute. He said he, that Posey would not play first base this year. So I would think unless say Darren Ruff gets hurt and Brandon Bell gets hurt, then I don't really see a situation, you know, and, and then you know, all the middle infielders who are hurt are still hurt. I don't think Posey's playing first base this year at all. Yeah, yeah, probably not. And then, uh, you know, he won't get as many at bats as maybe you'd like to see him get. What about the decision at the end of the year? I mean, I know it's early, but it seems like at this point, if you just look at it, it's going to be hard when you think about Belt, Posey, Crawford, and their contracts ending and the way they're hitting home runs. And, you know, these guys are the the top run producers on the team right now. So how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I think right now it's you got to say that there's a good chance that at, at least one at least one of them is staying, and I would be shocked if Posey isn't one of them is staying. Even though they have two catchers as high draft picks in the minors and Joey Bart, Patrick Bailey, you know, you could always trade one of those two guys. And I, I just don't see the Giants saying goodbye to Posey, especially because of how much he wants to stay. I could see, I could see Crawford staying as well, just because the Giants don't have a whole lot of depth in the high minors at shortstop at all. I mean, it's, if, uh, if Dubon got hurt, then they'd be in, in real trouble in that, in that category. And so I, I think there's a chance, that especially because he, he's a guy who grew up a Giants fan and has roots here. I mean, he lives in Arizona during the offseason, but 
I don't, I don't see him wanting to go anywhere. Belt's the one guy who I could see maybe wanting to test the water somewhere else, maybe go to a park that's a little easier for, for him. Oracle has been easier for lefties over the last couple seasons, and he's done fairly well there. But yeah, I, he's a guy who, if there's one guy who I, I think wouldn't be back, I think it would probably be Belt. But I think there's an outside chance that all three get kept. You know, if they, if they all want to agree to reasonable deals, the Giants have a lot of money on the open after this season, probably because of those salaries going off the books. So maybe Farhan has other you know designs for who, what he wants to do and, and maybe get the team a little bit younger. The team is fairly old this year, too, you have to remember. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's a situation where they all, all three could possibly stay. I would doubt it. And also, you have to look at what, how it goes through the end of the year. Crawford generally tends to wear down as seasons go on. And, you know, Belt's a guy who, how many times have we said, oh, he's on pace for 30 home runs and he ends up with 18. So we'll have to look at the end of the year and see what's going on. But, yeah, I I think at least one of them stands. Yeah, Belt is so streaky. What do you think about the way that these veteran players have bought in to what Gabe Kapler is doing? I mean, he's got the, the hockey line change where, you know, he's constantly pinch hitting. And players have to get used to that. that. I, I thought maybe that would wear thin and, uh, you know, some of these players would be agitated by being in the starting lineup and then being pulled out in the middle. Uh, you know, so that's one thing. And then also, I mean, I see, you know, Posey changing his stance a little bit. He's more upright. His bat is not over his shoulder anymore. I mean, they seem to be willing to take to the coaching. Uh, so do you think behind the scenes this is all working out great? Or is there maybe some animosity that, hey, you know, I, I started this game. Why am I not finishing it? I'm sure that guys who get pulled would rather play, but on the other hand, too, I think that that keeps everyone on the team involved, and that seems to help chemistry, too. I mean, I think, you know, Bochy always talked about that, too. The way he would do it, though, is by giving guys days off and starting guys who are reserve players to make sure that they didn't get rusty on the end of the bench. But, you know, it's a little bit different when you have to be awake and ready to come in at any point during a game. It doesn't seem like it's really bothering people, and I think that the Giants have really bought in from the very beginning. I remember before last season, before COVID hit, and we were able to actually talk to these players, you know, in person. The big question was, you know, Posey, Crawford, Belt, these guys, it, Longoria already had a relationship with Kapler, so everyone kind of figured that he was the one guy who maybe w- was would have already bought in, and he didn't really have these, you know, close ties to Bochi. But how about these other guys who've only known one manager throughout their entire career? And then all of a sudden, this guy, guy comes in with a, you know, a 13 other coaches. People, some of them have never played uh, professional baseball before. Are you going to take to all these newfangled thoughts and whatever? And then there was also a, a sort of a ruffling of feathers during the winter meetings before the for the first season for Kapler when he said something about you know that Crawford needs to work on his positioning in the infield because you know sort of a an aside about you know his defense not looking quite as good as it had in years past and Crawford seemed a little annoyed by that but it seems like everyone bought in especially in terms of the hitting and the and the preparation I I think Giants are like have always hitting coaches I think they have three different hitting coaches and it seems like the preparation that they put together for these guys is something that the players actually really appreciate and you saw the results last year where Guys got better and better as the year went on. And I think Posey probably was watching that whole season at home going, huh, you know, I mean, not only will it be better if I feel better physically, but 
you know, maybe it's time for me to sort of take advantage of some of this stuff. My, my teammates seem like they're doing it and it's working out for them. And so I think it seems like everybody is really cool with it. All right, to finish up, let's talk about the bullpen because to me that's the scariest part of this team. I mean, I just I can't yeah. see them being in contention the way things are right now. Now, Tyler Rogers has been a, a nice surprise. I, I honestly didn't think he'd be doing this well because he's kind of like the trick pitcher with the submarine style, and I didn't think it would fool a lot of hitters, but he's done a great job. You know, closing the game out, that part was really scary if you go back a few outings ago for Jake McGee when he blew up in Colorado. But, you know, he seems to have uh, righted the ship a little bit. But elsewhere, you just kind of see holes in this uh, bullpen. I wonder if they'll try to upgrade it or, you know, what they're going to do because that seems to be one real Achilles heel on this team. Yeah, it's not a real deep bullpen at this point. So they that's why Rogers, who I guess because he's a submariner, it does not have as much wear and tear on your arm as – guy who throws over the top so the fact that he's on pace for over 90 appearances this year maybe isn't a total disaster but yeah there's not a whole lot of guys that you would trust I like Berger and McGee at times has looked great but at times he has not and you're talking about a guy with essentially one pitch so yeah he's still <laughs> a fastball it, yeah yeah and I think Matt Whistler's a guy who they thought that we would come in and be a great addition, and that hasn't really looked – he hasn't looked a part of that quite yet either. Wandy Peralta dealing him for Talkman, it, it made sense just because the Giants have such a lefty-heavy bullpen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not a whole lot of arms there that are, you know, really all that productive. So, yeah, when when over the next uh, couple months, I think for certain you're going to see Farhan and Scott looking for – some bullpen help, definitely some right-handed bullpen help. It's kind of funny look around the league and all of the guys who the Giants have sort of the hard-throwing righties that the Giants have uh, traded away in recent years uh, or let go are, are all uh, guys who are doing pretty well right now. You, you look at uh, Kyle Crick, Heath Embry, <laughs> even Sam Coonrod and Hunter Strickland are all pitching pretty well this year. And you're like, ah. Melanson's it, pitching well. <laughs> oh, Melanson is, yeah. <laughs> Melanson, I, I I understand because the amount of money that he was making uh, and the fact that the, the Braves uh, gave back what they did and, and took all that salary. I, I understood that one. Oh, yeah. I, under, I understood all these moves to, to a certain extent. But, but the Giants definitely, I think they're hoping that some of these guys in the upper minors can can help out. You know, and they, I think they hope that Camilo Duvall can sort of uh, round into form over the as the year goes on, in uh, Santos and, and but you know Reyes Maranta is already hurt again, so I'm not really sure if you can count on him for the rest of the year. So yeah, there, there's definitely going to be some moves made. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be guys who uh, I don't know what they're going to trade for these guys, but I think that the Giants are definitely, especially if they continue to contend the way they have, they're going that's where they're going to add. Yeah, I joked with a friend of mine saying, I think the Giants would take Mariano Rivera right now. Like, right now, Mariano <laughs> Rivera. Not the the past Mariano. I mean, like, just sitting there right now, Rivera. He'd probably be fine. <laughs> yeah, he probably, he, he probably would be. Just throw cutters, you know. And, uh, you know, the cutter might not quite be at uh, 93 miles an hour anymore. But it's, uh, you know, maybe it would be a change of pace since everyone's used to facing 98 miles an hour out of the bullpen. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they kind of hoped that with uh, having six available starters that they, they would be able to throw Logan Webb in there and get a lot of innings out of him as a guy who go two or three innings every few days. And that hasn't played out because, you know, then Cueto was hurt and then Aaron Sanchez was hurt. So, right. 
yeah, it's definitely a situation where they're going to be monitoring those uh, minor league relievers too. And if, if anyone's just lighted up in high A or double A, then they might just get promoted too. It's not just the guys who are in triple A because I, I don't really know if there's going to be much movement on the trade market at, at this point. Usually that stuff doesn't really happen until the deadline. And a lot of times relievers are pretty overpriced. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Farron's a pretty creative guy, but he's probably looking at the bullpen right now and, and just kind of hoping that some of these guys – who he thought would pitch better, guys like Whistler and Alvarez, Harleen Garcia, actually kind of figure out what's going on and, and pitch better for the rest of the season. That's something we will monitor the entire season. Steve, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll catch up with you again later on this season. Sounds good, Joe. Thank you. That's Steve Berman, the Bay Area sports guy from The Athletic. Coming up, we'll get the national point of view with Bob Nightingale from USA Today right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 415- 453-2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. As we get you ready for the Giants' day game against the Texas Rangers, as they look for the sweep, we've already had the local angle with Steve Berman from The Athletic. Now the national angle with Bob Nightingale from USA Today Sports. He is the Major League Baseball columnist there, and he joined me on Tuesday. Well, Bob, thanks a lot for joining us to talk San Francisco Giants. Uh, I know you're in Scottsdale. What are you doing there right now? Yeah, well, they have uh, Team Israel. Uh, they qualify for the Olympics. So they're here uh, working out pretty much for the first time since 2019 when they qualified. So, uh, you know, the Miami Marlins are in town with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, so kind of doing some uh, double-hitter work. Are they playing at the Giants' Scottsdale Stadium? No, they're at the uh, Diamondbacks' Rockies Complex. Oh, Okay. Well, you know, when we go back to spring training, you start thinking about uh, the Giants and where people might have picked them in the division, and there's no way on May 11th that anybody thought the Giants would be in first place ahead of the Padres and the Dodgers. So uh, how surprising is this right now about the Giants? Yeah, stunning surprise. I mean, they're easily the biggest surprise in the National League. You know, Boston Red Sox, the biggest surprise in America League. But, uh, you know, particularly that pitching. I mean, the pitching has just been lights out. You know, granted, it's a you know a pitcher's ballpark, but still to see that, see what Buster Posey is doing, and uh, yeah, it's been a uh, you know unbelievable five weeks here. Yeah, I mean Posey, uh, he looks so healthy right now. Uh, looks like he's able to use his hips the way he really needs to, and he's changed his stance a little bit. I don't know if you've uh, noticed that, but instead of having his bat like over his shoulder, he's a little more upright. And I think even uh, you know other players in the team are sort of buying into what Gabe. Kapler is trying to get him to do, and I'm a little surprised because I didn't think veterans would do this at that point in their career, but they are. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, you know, everybody's talking about the money that the uh, you know, Giants will have off the books, but, you know, hey, Posey plays like this, you know, I want to bring him back, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a, uh, a fun story. I mean, even with the uh, Kevin Gosman, I think people raise their eyebrows like, man, you know, get, you want to give him a $17 million qualifying offer? And obviously, you know, worth every penny in, uh, you know, at the, in the race July 31st, you want a guy like that. 
if you're not in a race, you know, you decide whether you want to uh, keep them and try to resign them as a free agent or is a, uh, you know, unbelievable trade chip. He's an interesting guy, too, because I think, Bob, in the past, he's always had this stuff, uh, but he pitched on some really bad Orioles teams. So, I mean, it had to be discouraging for him uh, to not be able to get the W's when sometimes he felt like he deserved them. And I, I think now he probably feels like he's on a better team. Yeah, in stuff, it's a mental grind, too, when you, uh, you know, when you're on a losing team and no, you have no chance to win, you know, night after night or, you know, not a realistic chance. So, yeah, it's a completely different, you know, mindset. And, uh, you know, hey, it rubs off on everybody. I mean, they uh, just makes it more fun for the guys that come to the ballpark. You have more fun, you're going to play better. How much do you see Kapler evolving here? Because it seems like he's going a little deeper with his starters than he did before. I mean, a guy like Gosman, you know, seems to deserve to go, you know, six, maybe seven innings. Uh, you know, he's allowing pitchers to go a little deeper into games. Uh, and, and I think that's good. I mean, especially because he can't totally rely on his bullpen right now. It hasn't been a great bullpen. Right, yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, with Gabe Kapler there, so close to uh... – Farhan and all that, so you know, kind of a collaborative effort. So I'm sure they had deep discussions. Okay, you know, let's say uh, when do we want to, you know, push the gas a little bit more and let these guys, uh, let these guys go deeper. So yeah, it's a, uh, and then you know, the pitchers have responded. I mean, they're veterans too, so it's not like you have to baby them. Yeah, a lot of veterans on this team. Uh, another guy who's kind of come to life, Evan Longoria. I mean, he's playing great over at third base. He looks like he's found the the fountain of youth. <laughs> so, I mean, you got him, you got Belt and Crawford hitting home runs. I mean, uh, do you take that as it's early in the season, though? It's kind of hard to maintain that a whole season when you have a veteran group like this? Well, it is hard. I mean, Longoria, hey, we've all seen you know what he can do when healthy. Just, just had a, you know trouble the last few years. You know, staying healthy. Uh, you know, catchers always. You know, unless you're Yadier Molina, you kind of you know, grind down there and get you know get get tired. Uh, but yeah, it's you know it's not a sixty game season like a year ago, so you know there's gonna be no surprises or flukes. And we'll see. I mean, you know, fun for the Giants to take advantage of the uh, the Dodger problems, but you know, you know, the Dodger problems won't stay there all year. No, I don't think so. Uh, some of these rule changes, uh, one of them really kind of caught a lot of attention, I think, in San Francisco was the seven-inning doubleheaders because Madison Bumgarner, the former Giant, threw a no-hitter that's not really a no-hitter. What are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I mean, those are rules. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't mind saying no-hitter, but then you have, you know, behind it, you know, parentheses seven to show, you know, same as those rain out, you know, uh, rain, rain out double hitters that are, uh, you know, five and a half innings, but, you know, aren't really nine innings. Uh, so, uh, fortunately we'll go back to nine inning double hitters next year, you know, do, kind of do away with that, you know, nonsense. And I don't think the, uh, I think the players have enjoyed, you know, seven double hitters, but Hey, if you're the owners and uh, you say you're, uh, you know, the, the Giants ownership group, you know, you don't want seven in double hitters. You want two more innings to sell concessions and everything else, more beers and and, and that. So I, I'd be stunned if we don't go back to nine next year. And I think that's what the game plan is. What about some of the other rules? I mean, I mean, do you think the DH will end up in the National League? And what about the runner at second and extra innings? Is that going to stick? I think the, uh, yeah, with the, uh, I think we'll have a universal DH. I think that's definitely coming next year. Both sides really want it. Uh, you know, the uh, ghost runner in second base has, you know, got more popularity among managers, but still, it, it puts the end to the game so quickly. I, I think the fans enjoy it because, you know, as you know, Joe, when the 
games go an extra inning until the fans seem to clear out. So right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they amend it say, okay, well, let's do that rule being in the 12th inning or the 13th inning. Albert Pujols released by the Angels. Uh, you know, without the DH in the National League, that limits the number of teams that would be interested in him. I mean, I wonder if they had the DH, the Giants might have been a team that, you know, could have been interested in him, although they do have a guy like Ruff, who's really the right-handed power guy who you could use as DH a lot. And then you give your at-bats to players who aren't uh, starting. You know, you might give Posey more chances as a DH if you had one. Uh, but do you think Pujols will get an opportunity? It seems like it's really limited for him. It is limited. It's got to be the right, you know, I mean, he wants to play every day, or you know, almost every day. And uh, if he didn't want to play every day, he'd still be with the Angels. But they told him, yeah, we're not going to play every day. So, uh, you know, designated for assignment, he'll be, you know, released on a, uh, you know, officially released on Tuesday. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where he ends up. He may need an injury to a uh, an everyday player, internationally American League team, to to get that chance. All right, to finish up, uh, we just celebrated Willie Mays' 90th birthday. It was a great celebration in San Francisco and around baseball. And I didn't realize it until I, I got online today, uh, today being May the 11th. That's the anniversary of when the Mets acquired Willie Mays from the Giants. Uh, do you remember that? I mean, it was you know, a pretty big ordeal at the time for him to go to New York, not finish his career with the Giants. And uh, you know, what are your memories of uh, when that did happen? Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have memories of that, but you know, you always hear, see those uh, films of him stumbling in the outfield or reading about it. You know, it's almost like you wish he never went to somewhere else. Uh, you know, I like when the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, I think they trade Jackie Robinson somewhere, and Robinson said, "No, I'll just retire." That that sort of thing. So you love to see guys just stay with one team rather than just you know keep pushing, you know, until they take the uniform off. Uh, you know, some guys like that. I mean, Jim Tillman kept saying, hey, I'll keep playing unless until 30 teams don't want me. Rudder <laughs> guys say, you know what, I want to retire on top. Yeah, that was that was 1972. Uh, played with the Mets in the World Series in 1973. Uh, you know, just the overall career, uh, in your mind, uh, the best player ever? I mean, that's kind of hard, right? I mean, there's so many players that you could classify when you look at the different skills they had. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, you can't argue against Babe Ruth, the fact he pitched, you know, and, and <laughs> hit 714 homers. I, you know, I think Ruth will always be down as number one. Uh, yeah, he, well, he was a fabulous player, but, you know, you can you can certainly make the argument the other giant was a, a greater player, Barry Bonds. Right. I mean, you can make the argument that he was the second best player of all time. So, certainly, you know, in the... Uh, uh, the you know Mount Rushmore uh, of great players, certainly the greatest living ball player right now. Uh, you know, just brought a lot of joy. He was almost you know Ken Griffey before Griffey. You know, bringing that kind of joy to kids and, and the way he played. Is Bonds going to get in the Hall of Fame? I mean, he's running out of time for sure. Got one more year. This is uh, this right. is it for uh, him and Roger Clemens. You know, I vote for him every year, and uh, I, I think it's silly that you know, hey, not going to let Bonds or Clemens in, but yet. There's a whole lot of steroid guys that have been, you know, voted in in recent years. Uh, that that's not right. So uh, tell you what, if he doesn't get in, you know, it means uh, you know Alex Rodriguez and uh, a lot of guys won't get in either. So uh, I think he'll get a push. But it's, it's gonna be a big, a big, uh, and that's gonna be a big surge of votes to get him in. And I'm having my doubts whether he'll get it now. Do you think maybe if you eliminate the character, integrity, sportsmanship? 
part of the criteria that would you know change a lot of minds as far as the writers that vote on the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't think that. I just think the you know, the, uh, you know the steroid uh, allegations and and links to the uh, Balco uh, done him in, even though he never uh, you know tested positive or suspended. You know what, what I do. Uh, I won't vote for a guy who's been suspended uh, for steroid use because that guy hurt his team. I mean, uh, with Alex Rodriguez, you know, he crushed the Yankees that year by being out entire year. You know, where you have a, uh, you know, other guys who, you know, hey, they were steroid users and never got caught. And, you know, we vote them in. I don't know why we're not taking, you know, the two greatest players of, of their era. I mean, Roger Clemens, one of the greatest right-handed pitchers of all time. Like we said, I mean, outside of uh, Ruth, you can certainly make the argument that Bonds is the you know, best all-around player ever. So innocent until proven guilty is your philosophy, basically, right? Well, well, just suspend it. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, Bonds and Clemens were helping their teams win. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, managers and GMs can say what they want now, but these teams want to steroid guys on their teams. Yeah, these guys would go to bed right, get their sleep, uh, you know, diet and everything else. It's almost like, you know, they weren't running around the streets. They were actually, you know, model model teammates and model players. And now, you know, pretend like, oh, what they were doing. Well, everybody knew what they were doing. It was no surprise. And it was like, you know, 40%, 50% of baseball. You know, it wasn't just, you know, two guys that were electing to, uh, you know, do something uh, illegal, which wasn't, which wasn't illegal in baseball. There was no testing for it. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, for next year. Bob, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see the next time I see you or talk to you if the Giants are still in first place. I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's not last, but yeah, nothing else. I mean, it shows that this re- rebuild is, is working and they're on their way and, uh, you know, kind of fun times. Like, you know, maybe the, uh, the painful process will end before people know. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Bob. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. That's Bob Nightingale from USA Today. I want to thank him and Steve Berman from The Athletic for joining us here on Inside China Basin. George Contos will be back again next week. He's our regular guest every other week on Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the SportsVirus.com and the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.